Grace and peace from God and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. What then? What then are we to say about these things? For the last few weeks, we've been reading St. Paul's epistle to the Romans pretty much in course. It is an epistle that St. Paul wrote to the Romans at a time when he had never met anybody in Rome. It was written to a congregation he had not founded, such as, was, uh, such as Corinth or Galatia. It was a letter, it is, a letter of introduction to a people whom he hopes to visit soon after he finishes his present missionary journey, returns to Jerusalem. However, he does arrive in Rome later, but he is in change, chains rather than at a free man. He writes to the Romans trying to convince them of the faith that he has come to know some 30 or so years after Jesus' death, having written it somewhere around 55 to 57 A.D. It is my favorite epistle in the New Testament. I fell in love with it the summer before I went to seminary. I was a good Episcopalian at that time. I had been raised in the 1960s in our Sunday schools, which meant I knew very little, if anything, about the Bible. (laughs) One of my main goals here as the one who oversees education for birth through fifth graders is to make sure that their experience is the exact opposite of mine. I want them to be engaged and go home having had some fun, but also knowing about things like the Romans or the Jacob Esau story and the lentil soup. I'd had a brief course, a summary course, a survey course in college in my sophomore year, but I had forgotten all that as well. And I decided that before I went to seminary, I'd read the Bible from beginning to end. Have you ever tried that? Disaster. Impossible. A good way to get very lost very quickly. Someone suggested that perhaps I should start in the New Testament and try only one book at a time and start with Romans. And my attention was taken away and woven into Paul's words. Perhaps it was at that time I just needed to hear about God's love and salvation and that we despite the fact are guilty and stand before the last day, the judge of all who made all things, we are pronounced innocent because our advocate Jesus stands beside us and we are pronounced not guilty. But I think it's more because I was terrified of what I was about to do. I was leaving home. I was going to a place where I knew I would be evaluated time and time again. I had already gone through one year in the discernment process in this diocese. I knew what lay ahead for three years at seminary. I was 24 years old and rather naive. And then I read the book of Romans in one or two days. And I fell in love with this epistle And the eighth chapter is Paul at his very best. 1 Corinthians 13 is just as good about love. But this is about our faith. This is about what God does for us, what Jesus has given to us. Our trust and our knowledge 
of God's goodness and presence in our lives. It's not easy being a Christian today. Probably never has been easy to be a Christian, but in this country we are free to worship as Christians without any oppression or possible persecution. It's not true for all faiths in this, in this country these days. Our day-to-day lives, however, are such that we are constantly being pulled away from being tempted by those things that take us from God's love. So let's look just for a moment at our baptismal commitment, not necessarily the vows, but the whole service. The first questions godparents, first question godparents are asked on behalf of an infant or that we would answer if we were being baptized as an adult is will we continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in the prayers? Well, let's think about that. Over the years, how have you said your prayers? I've had to find various ways to do it, various times that fit the moment. Sometimes I have, despite the commitments that I made at both of my ordination services, been lax in my prayers. Okay? Apostles' teaching. I'm glad you are all here this morning to hear the sermon, to sing, to hear God's word. But one of the questions we're now asking as a staff around the church, around here, is just when does church happen for our whole congregation? Sunday attendance is different than it used to be. From my experience with children, many are here only every other week, if even that. It means parents aren't here as well. How easy is it to stay? You're here, I'm glad. But how easy would it have been to stay at home today and have another donut or coffee roll or eggs and bacon and coffee in the paper and miss the breaking of bread and this community together? How often do you do that? If I were not a priest, I might be absent every now and then myself. How about your words and deeds? That's the second question we ask. Will you, by word and example, live out the good news of God in Christ? How often have you said or done something unchristlike? One of our parishioners witnessed me being unchristlike just this last Thursday when across the street somebody pulled into the lane that disappears when you cross West Peachtree and tried to cut in front of me. I used my horn rather than just yielding and waving. They couldn't see the All Saints sticker on the back window of the truck. (laughs) However, they could see me when I pulled into the parking lot. It's easy. We have all these opportunities. So what do we say about these things? We say we're weak. Remember the words from Jesus loves me? I am weak, but God is strong. We are weak, and we don't know sometimes what to do or what to say or what to pray. And Paul assures us that in the midst of our weakness, we have help. Likewise, he writes, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought But that very spirit intercedes with sighs 
too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We fall short. We fall short of the vision that God has for us. In our baptismal vows, we promise when we fall into sin, we will repent and return to the Lord. Listen to the language. It's not if we fall into sin, but when. We find ourselves lost. Spiritual weakness is upon us. We're not praying as we should. And we feel lost, but because we are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever, the Holy Spirit abides with us. And she is with us always and gives us what we need and prays for us when we cannot pray for ourselves. What a marvelous gift. What great hope. What wonderful love God has given to us. And we don't know how to pray. The Spirit intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. So what then are we to say about these things? God is for us. God is for us. And no one, no thing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. God is for us in our struggles. God is for us and with us in our joys and in our sorrows. God is with us right this minute and was with us yesterday and will be with us tomorrow. God was and is for us so much that God did not withhold God's Son from the cross, but allowed, committed, watched as God's Son was nailed to the cross and died for our salvation. Now, looking back to 32 years ago, that summer of frustrated biblical study, let me say I believe these are the words that made me fall in love with the epistle to the Romans. It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us, who indeed intercedes for us, who will separate us from the love of Christ, Will hardship, distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. If I'd known how well James Marshall was going to read this, I wouldn't have reread it to you. But <laughs> those words are words of life. Those words are words of promise. Those words are words of assurance that we ultimately have nothing to fear. Words of hope, words of assurance, words of grace. Now, thank God I'm not nearly as naive as I was in 1979. And thank God I've lived through many experiences, both good and bad, both happy and sad. And looking back on my faith in those days, it was as small as a mustard seed. And God willing, it's not as big as it's going to become. And God willing, my life will continue and our lives will continue for some time. And we will experience more ups and downs, more good times and times of loss. 
But God's love and forgiveness and presence in our lives will never go away. Let's face it, we live in a time that is difficult to live the Christian faith and life. We live in a time in which we are fearful about the changing environment, in which violent acts of terrorism and death surround us daily in the news, in which the news from our own streets are depressing, in which we worry about things like the economy. And every day we hear of local, regional, national, and international disasters that can make us fearful. And every day we have things in our own lives which make us fearful. You can add your own list to the list I've just done. What then are we to say about these things? I've joined my voice yet again with James and St. Paul's. I invite you to take the service bulletin home and write these on three-by-five cards and put them on the mirror that you look in the morning and two in the morning and on the dashboard of your car so that when you're in traffic stops, you can look and read and make this a part of your being to put them on your refrigerator and wherever else is helpful. And all these things, we are more than conquerors, more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I am convinced... I am convinced with Paul that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come or anything else in all creation can separate you or I from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The geologist, the scientist in me says I should be able to prove this to you. The Christian who has known and knows God's abiding presence know that I can only speak to you from the bottom of my heart, from my personal experience, and from the bruises and injuries that have been healed by God throughout my life and the ones that will come that I know God will also be present in and heal. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so as I close, I join my voice yet one more time with that of St. Paul from the opening of the next chapter of the epistle to the Romans. My brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm speaking the truth to you in Christ Jesus. Amen.